Hi, I'm Lauren Hunter. And I'm Kate Vlasic. And this is Generation BSC. Yes, Generation BSC, our bi-weekly episodic discussion of the Babysitter's Club book series, book by book, episode by episode, looking at it as uh, geriatric millennials. Look, I'm I'm leaning into it. <laughs> I know we've got to, and especially after <laughs> our recent discussion of Moomoo's, I'm actually, I'm all in. All in fact, in. I my Amazon cart may have one or two or, you know, 10 that I can't decide between right now. I mean, that's what I'm Amazon carts are for, is, is to process all of the assorted choices, especially when it comes to Moomoo's, because who doesn't love a Moomoo, especially as a geriatric millennial? Come on, let's lean in. Right. Hot Moomoo summer. I'm in. <laughs> I love that for us. Love this for us. So yeah, we're back. It's what book are we talking about today? We are talking about book number 46, Marianne Mrs. Logan. Ooh. So we had our predictions about this one. You maybe weren't super excited. How did you actually feel after <laughs> reading this one for real? So what's funny is I kind of tried to trick you a little bit because we, you know, we like talk slightly before the podcast and I said, spoiler alert, I was rolling my eyes hard within the first three <laughs> lines. And that is absolutely true. But I'll tell you what, I don't know if it's been the long break. I don't know if it's the Anne M. Martin, but I was absolutely delighted by this one. I freaking loved it. So yeah, I could not wait to come talk to you about this one. What about you? What Did you enjoy it as much as I did or were you more on my prediction level? Um, I'm going to say I was somewhere in between. I feel like this is one of those episodes where I'm going to say like, eh, and then by the end I'm going to be like, you know what? I actually really came around on it. Like I have that feeling about this one because I think one of the things that sort of got to me, like the Marianne and Logan of it all was like maybe not my least favorite part, but like the group project aspect I had like flashbacks to middle school and I think that like was tempering my able my ability to enjoy the rest of it. But we'll we'll get into the, you know all of our conversations cuz my favorite girl Koki Mason is back, of course. So I know. But there's there's going to be a lot for us to talk about and I I'm glad that you liked it way more than you were expecting to and I I'm glad that I am going to end up liking it more. I, I can already tell knowing myself and how our conversations about books like this one have gone in the past that that's where I'm ultimately going to end up. And I'm I'm excited to get to that point through this conversation with you, which is such a nerdy thing to say, but I am who I am. I am so excited to sell you on it. <laughs> and well, I really hope this is one of those episodes where I do like sell you on it and not one where I like start talking about it. <laughs> I inadvertently it make you hate it. <laughs> And then it like it kind of falls apart when I realize, oh, maybe maybe that gummy had just hit extra good. <laughs> I was just in a really good mood that day, and Logan didn't bother me that much. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I was in a bathtub. I had the incense going. Like I was, it, I had a mood happening. There are worse ways to to come back to Logan Bruno, <laughs> right? Right. And I I don't have that same go figure. I don't have that same group project trigger other than. Ugh, I wanted to see Koki fall flat on her face, which I think is probably a good cue that we should talk about what actually happened exactly. so that we can get there. Yes. Please give us the details on this book and the description that they tried to sell it with. <laughs> you got it. Well, I, as I mentioned earlier, we are at book 46, which is crazy how far we are into the series and far we are to the podcast and 
Also, the, those don't seem to match. We were just discussing mm-hmm. how we will be real geriatric by the time <laughs> we get to the end. And I am so down for that. For sure. But whoever's in for the ride for all 80 years that it's going to take us. Anyway, if you missed our digressions, don't worry. We're back on our... <laughs> They're back in full force. Back on our bullshit. Anyway, book 46, Marianne Mrs. Logan. Thankfully, no exclamation point. Didn't deserve it. Logan Bruno is not exclamation point worthy. However, apparently he was worthy of the goddess herself, Anne M. Martin. So I did try to give myself a little bit of a challenge and didn't look beforehand. I just wanted to see if I could tell. And I knew pretty much instantly mm-hmm. it was Anne. It, it, like, there is something distinct. Yeah. I, I know I, we, we've had that conversation already, <laughs> just filling in everybody else. Yep. Anyway, the book was released in August of 1991, lending credence to our whole New York, New York summer vacation, just as a reminder of slight timeline since it, for but peek behind the curtain, has been quite some time <laughs> since we have uh, recorded together. Hence our excitement. But let's see what the marketing department has to say about Anne's masterpiece. <laughs> okay, I'm leaning in. I'm, I'm going to sell you. <laughs> I've decided. Okay. It was good for Marianne and Logan to break up for a little while. Marianne has some time to herself, and she's been having lots of fun with her friends. But now Marianne can't help it. She misses Logan. When she and Logan are both assigned to study their favorite author, Marianne thinks that this is the perfect, most romantic way for them to get back together again. Until Cokie Mason, Marianne's mortal enemy, decides to steal Logan from her. Marianne versus Cokie. Who will Logan choose? Okay. I mean, I may have done the hard work of, of, of <laughs> overselling the drama of that, but it actually did us a pretty good job mm-hmm. of describing the plot. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think as you were doing the description, I was just thinking back and I, in my head, I was like, why is it that every Marianne book is about Logan and Cokie Mason? But I also then was like, except that the Christy and Christie's Mystery Admirer is not Marianne Cokie. But like in my head, I'm like, every time there's something specific about Marianne and Logan, Cokie's in the mix. I'm like, that's why she's her mortal enemy. But I was just like, yeah, they really are like legit enemies, even though Marianne is like this like quiet little mouse. Like, why is Cokie Mason so evil? <laughs> Oh, see, the one big thing that I realized in reading this is that I was weirdly accurate in my plot prediction, Mm -hmm. wildly off base in the tone and like how I thought I would like feel about it and how I thought it was going to be like portrayed. Like I was, my my prediction was that Marianne was going to be jealous and that was going to like spur her to want to get back together with Koki. And uh, like, while she was jealous and that was part of the the conversation, that it wasn't like a oh, I want him now that she right. has him. It just happened and, to be that it was happening at the same time that she was realizing that she wanted him back. Exactly. Anyway, my point is that the Koki of it all, I really had an interesting reaction to this book because, I don't, again, I don't know if it was just I was so excited to be back that I was like way getting deeper than usual, but I was like really primed for a Koki redemption arc. Like, well... We'll, Let, let's we'll get do, into. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, let, I, I have a feeling there's a lot of description that's about to come. So let's put a pin in that. I'll do the the description of, quote unquote, what really happened. And then we'll get into the Koki Mason of it all. Because as always, I have a lot of feelings about our girl Koki. Not our, not our girl, our enemy Koki. Because she's our enemy too. 
even though I I am very interested to hear what you're about to say about redemption arc because I it didn't happen. No, to be no, very, no, no. Very but clear. like I I have thoughts on that as well. So quick tangent that's actually on trend. <laughs> what actually happened in this book? So we've got the Marianne specific plot. Well, it's right there in the title, Marianne, Mrs. Logan. She's as dramatic about their breakup and time apart as you'd expect from a 13-year-old, although maybe not for Marianne specifically. She and Logan haven't spoken at all since their breakup, but they're forced back into each other's lives when a group project forces them to work together. All of the eighth graders at Stony Brook Middle School are working together in groups of four to do a project on a living YA author. Marianne ultimately ends up in a group with Logan, Pete Black, and Koki Mason. Koki manipulated her way into their group to cozy up to Logan, who ultimately falls for it and spends all his time with Koki and almost none of his time on their project. Marianne and Pete do the whole project, but Logan comes in at the end and shows he's actually done some of his share. The four of them present their project at a school-wide assembly attended by the author their project was on. Pete, Marianne, and Logan do well and are well-received, and Koki just reads the back of the book she did her portion of the project on, without any dramatic flourishes like we'd expect from Lauren, unfortunately. <laughs> Marianne and Logan ultimately end up back together for all intents and purposes at the end of the book, even though I think that she should have gotten together with Pete. That's just me. Agreed, <laughs> right? Hardcore. I was shipping them so yeah, hard by the end. That, that's We'll talk about that, too, because I also have feelings on that, and clearly you do. So the Babysitter's Club general plot for this one. The Cormans, who are made up of Bill, Melody, and Skylar, the children, have moved into the Delaney's house because apparently they moved away, question mark. I was like, what? Okay. So much shade, by the way. Quick <laughs> yes. side note. Yes. It was like, you guys suck. We got to get rid of you. <laughs> the Cormans are not as ostentatious as the Delaney's, even though they live in the same huge mansion. And that's like literally what they say. Like, they live in the same opulent man- mansion, but they don't suck. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure it was... Wasn't it our boy Peter who wrote the last one with them? Was it no? Wait, it was Christie's Mystery Meyer was the pool one? No. What was the pool one? Um Do you remember the one where Marianne's the, dad loses his job for the one buck? Mallory's dad. Yes, Mallory, not Marianne. Yes. And it but like that was the last time we had a like a Delaney centric like mm-hmm. plot. And basically I it yes, it was definitely I think it was Peter, but it was definitely a ghostwriter. Because I, my, I was like, I read this and I was like, oof, they went too hard in the paint, making them unlikable. And they had to be like, nope, got to get them out of here. Move the Delaney's out. Sorry. Did not mean to sidetrack us, but wow, that was like. Although they did kind of redeem the, the Delaney's in the, the Mallory book because part of the issue was like all of the kids in the neighborhood were using them for their pool. So we got to see some like humanity from them. I mean, ultimately, they're still spoiled brats, but we did, you're, you're we right. did get to see a little bit of like. Their sadness from being poor little rich kids. Okay, so I amend my my theory <laughs> from being they went too hard to being like, that was the book. You're right. That was the book that was supposed to humanize them. Right. They still came off as little shits. <laughs> exactly. And so they were like, get them out of here. <laughs> you guys are done. <laughs> we, we can't. We can't with this. No. We, we went too hard in the ri- little, ri- poor little rich kid vein yes. and just, no, I'll just not working. I'll just start over the B- Babysitter's Club's general plot. Okay, so the Babysitter's Club general plot for this one. The Cormans, who are Bill, Melody, and Skylar, have moved into the Delaney's house because apparently the Delaney's moved away at some point. 
Unclear. And all of the girls have babysitting jobs for them throughout the book. Marianne inadvertently introduces monsters to Bill and Melody, and they spend the rest of the book afraid in particular of the toilet monster because their toilet makes growling noises when you flush it. And that makes them decide that they have to race into their bed before the toilet stops flushing in order to avoid the toilet monster. None of the girls are able to actually get them over their fear, not even Christy, who thinks that using logic and explaining other kids' Uh, irrational childhood fears, including her mom's, will get them to get over it and get over their rituals and see how silly they are. But ultimately, they end the book still afraid of the toilet monster and racing into the bed every night to avoid getting captured. I think my favorite, like, 30 seconds of reading this book was the Christie, like, <laughs> yeah, her journal entry and then Marianne's, like, I guess it was the my favorite chapter was probably that that moment mm-hmm. of because my it, my first note was God Christie's such a little shit she makes it so hard sometimes <laughs> yeah because she's just like I've solved it and you all couldn't you I fixed the problem that you saw or created yeah and then sweet sweet Marianne like in the chapter when the kids were like still clearly you know right is the toilet monster coming she's like I didn't think Christie really had fixed anything right. and I'm Christy like had. Very high aspirations and very strong self-confidence, as we know she always does. The best part about it, though, is Claudia had tried earlier on to, like, talk them Mm -hmm. through it and essentially did the exact same thing. She, like, compared it. She's like, do you believe in the Easter Bunny? And they're like, no. Do you believe in such and such? And they're like, no. And she goes, well, then the toilet monster. And they're like, yes, we believe in Definitely. A hundred percent. That's so real. Literally. The exact same tactic right. that Christy tries, she just like she does makes like it third about- parties instead of their own silly things yeah. they don't believe in, and it's like if they can't even see it about their own disbelief about other things, why do you think your mom's childhood fear of the dark or the, under the bed or whichever one of the various furry things, mons- the, the furry, furry thing. thing, yes, the like why do you think telling them about all of these other people having silly beliefs that they clearly did believe is going to make them be like, you're right. Since those people are silly, I'm being silly and I'm totally over it. Like, no, these are children. Christy, you're not that smart. (laughs) Seriously, sometimes Christy makes it so hard because there are things about her that are so, like, cishet white man. (laughs) That, like... I know better than everyone. Yeah, and like I'm going to take credit for your actual good idea. Like, let me just do the same thing you did over again. Call it my own, and then emphatically insist that it worked, even though it clearly didn't. Anyway, sorry. Uh, We already get accused of going hard in the paint against (laughs) Logan for shit like that. But spoiler, I won't be doing that. He was he was almost a non-entity in this one. Like is literally the word he was I, is all over my notes. Yeah, he he was basically a cipher. Logan was kind of not the point, right? And and that I think that that's why I liked it so much. Right. My biggest concern was that it was going to be about Marianne pining for Logan because Logan, as we have clearly established, and you know, overestablished, sucks. Does not is not worthy. Not worthy of the exclamation point in the title. <laughs> not worthy of Marianne pining. And I was especially worried that it was going to be about Koki and like being jealous mm-hmm. in some way and about rivalry, y- y- that type of thing. Right. And it was really not about that at all. Like, yes, Marianne missed him. That was, and it was a, but but she missed Logan, and she also missed him in a clear eyed way. Yes, where it was not like. 
romanticizing the situation. I want to get back with him just because I miss being lonely. She missed the good parts of their relationship while still acknowledging the shitty. And I think that that, as a, I guess, a, a, a big idea for me from all of this was that was sort of why I liked this so much because it wasn't, it wasn't romanticized and it wasn't like about the romance of mm-hmm. it. It was about understanding your emotions and like what feels right for you. But at that time of, you know, hormones and big emotions and and that type of thing, I don't know. It really felt more, I, I just kept writing it so relatable mm-hmm. to me. And that was like the big reason that I found it so much more enjoyable and so much more fun than if it had been like, Logan, I miss Logan. It just wasn't, it didn't feel like that to me. And this is where I don't know if, this was just because I was like all in and like drinking the Kool-Aid or if that was how it came across to you too. No, I think that that was part of the reason why I think ultimately I'm going to decide that I really did enjoy this book because I really appreciated the fact that Logan in and of himself and the relationship and their history was not what she was missing. It was like her person, you know, or one of her people. Because, you know, she talks in the book about, you know, she's stressing about this um, English assignment that they're going to get assigned. They don't know what it is. And then they find out. But the night before, she's like, I have no one to talk to. You know, Dawn's not home. My parents aren't home. All of my friends are babysitting. I can't call Logan because we're not talking. And it's not because Logan is like the be all end all, you know, her only person that she ever runs things past. It's like they have you know, she's, she's like you said, she's coming at it with clear, open eyes. And she's like, I miss this person. And I miss the connection that we have with each other. And I think one of the things that I really appreciated about where the story ultimately ended up is like, when Marianne is having a conversation with Don about, you know, I really miss Logan, I really wish that we could get back together and start dating again, and he could be my boyfriend. And Don is like, well, what about how everything ended? You know, are you concerned about that? And I really appreciated that Marianne was like, yeah, I remember how everything went. I was very clear about what I needed. And I'm not going to, if if it starts going down that road again, I'm going to put an end to it again. I, if If for some reason he starts being the exact same person that he's been in the past that I had a problem with, it's not going to happen because we're just, I'm, I know where I'm, I know who I am. I know what I want. I know what I need from partners may be a weird way to say it about a 13-year-old, but whoever that person is in your life that you're in a romantic relationship with, whatever that looks like, she knows what she needs. She knows what she wants. And the thing that I also appreciated from Logan is in the end when they go to dinner, when he's like, let me take you to dinner to like catch up and chat and say thank you for letting me you know, get together with you to work on this project to make sure that my piece matched what you and Pete did. He's very cognizant of like, doing what she had told him when they broke up the first time. Like, he's not ordering for her. He's not forcing her to go to a specific restaurant. He's not – and even, you know, he says, can I call you tomorrow? And then he does call her tomorrow. And, you know, she's like, oh, I'm babysitting. And in the past, she even acknowledges, like, in the past, Logan would have said – Oh, can or not? Maybe not babysitting, but you know, I'm, I was going to do something with Dawn or whatever. And and she, they're going to the mall, right? So he would have, you know, he in the past would have said, "No, cancel on your friends. We're going to do X." And he says, "Okay, great. I'll call you after. Maybe we can do something the day after." You know, he's very much like, "I see you, and I see what you need, and I'm going to give that to you." And I really, 
I'm already talking myself with what, you know, bouncing off of what you said, I'm already talking myself into liking this more because I really appreciate that they showed the growth of both Marianne and Logan, even just over the course of this book, not even since they broke up in the books because we haven't really seen Logan at all. And so over the course of this book, we see him maybe not be the the most polite or considerate 13-year-old boy because he likes hanging out with Koki. He just does. But he likes that she likes him. Like, right. he literally explicitly says, well, she really likes me. And, like, he's a 13-year-old boy. Of course right. he's going to like the girl that's, like, fawning all over him. And who and, likes and, to do things. I mean, Marianne even is like, oh, Koki likes to do stuff. And he's like, yeah, she does. And I really like this, too. He's like, yeah, she likes to do things unlike you. But she overdid it. And – that affected my schoolwork right. and it affected and so it's like he uh be careful what you wish for right. like he's seen both sides he's not a non-entity completely but pretty much until this conversation that we're right. talking about he he really isn't and that's why i like it because he does show up and he shows that he learned and and especially and she does explicitly point it out in the like going to the mall mm-hmm. conversation but i thought that the dinner scene was actually handled pretty subtly yeah. you know like that it didn't lean into the fact that he was like, are you sure? Is this what you want? Like, I didn't want to pressure you. And even I'm making it less subtle than it was in the book. Mm -hmm. So again, this is the Anne of it all. Like the the writing was seriously top notch in this one and which we will, I'm sure get back to. But the, one of the things that really stood out to me, like circling all the way back to your very first point that I hadn't actually really considered about why I liked it so much is the fact that she did have other things going on and it the book was not about just logan mm-hmm. like the the project as much as that was like a a thing for you and because i that was never a, a big scary thing for me i just didn't have that same emotional reaction oh no so no, no. Think- it wasn't scary it was i was always the person who did all the work so i had oh. i had flashbacks to being angry that I was forced to do all the work because I was the conscientious student who wasn't going to screw up my grade. So I would just do all the work. It was, yeah, the maybe the oral presentation part was a little bit That's scary. what I was focusing yeah, on. Yeah, no, I'm, I was I'm more talking about, about the, the, like, the group project gotcha, portion, gotcha, gotcha. which, ugh, ugh. See, and I have mixed feelings about that because I was very much the person to, like, do everything. But I am a Christie, so it was more um, of my choice ah. than by necessity. I didn't really give people an option to do their parts because that tracks. I could do it better. <laughs> yeah. And I I needed to be the one – if I was going to get a bad grade, I needed to know that I was the one responsible for that. So it was more – it was not – some of them I could have done it better. But mostly it was just I needed to be in control of my own destiny. The fact that I procrastinate, I needed to be in charge of my own time – table, which I now know is the ADHD, but like, right. Anyway, lots of stuff there. I, it was funny. I focused solely on the like presentation piece. That's what I was thinking Mm. that you were having a strong reaction to, but that makes so much more sense because I absolutely see you as the Marianne in this scenario where you would never say a word. You would just do it all and feel put upon (laughs) and then they would all get the good grade and then you would seethe silently and rage and like, you, you like, I bet you had fantasies of doing this to the kids in your group. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of, I would have loved yeah. to have the opportunity to let someone in my group just crash and burn because they didn't do any of the work. Honestly, it's kind of straight savage mm-hmm. because they just straight up decide, let her fail. Like, they announced that they're going to have to say it in front of this author, and Pete's like, 
she's not doing the work. I vote we just <laughs> freeze them out yep. and let them show up and make asses of themselves. I was like, and now this is this is why I am I am team team Pete Black because I was like, that is the kind of petty king yep. that I want. Yeah, and that's the kind of Fully energy that him. Marianne needs in her life. Yes, like she needs because that's what the Christie is. Like she doesn't need the sweet Southern gentleman. That's too much her energy. Yeah, she needs the petty king who's going to be like, "Fuck you, stone cold." <laughs> but I also love that like he he just like got her. Like that's the and thing. He, like he like learned under, right. He like he was very much like. Megan Reinhardt, who the hell is this author? That's a girl author. I don't want to, you know, she writes for girls. I don't want to read these. And then he, like, genuinely comes to love the books that he's read by her. And, like, he's really enjoying the project. He has great ideas about the project. He can understand Marianne's frustration with how things are going. And he's like, here's how we're going to deal with it. I, like, Pete Black, man. More Pete Black in these books. (laughs) One million percent. I love that she, as you pointed out, he changed his perspective on the books. I love that she appreciated mm-hmm. that. Like, that she got how special that yeah. was. Like, she even notes, like, he could admit that he was wrong about these books. And, like, and that kind of really leans into one of the other things that it was definitely all over my notes. And it, you kind of alluded to it when you were talking about uh, the dinner date earlier. But, like, about, you know, how, like, grown up some of this stuff was. And, like, seriously, the entire dating plot <laughs> – is not 13-year-olds. That no. is 30 – that is, like, 30-somethings. Like, literally, the Koki and Logan of it is that they're, like, constantly going to away games right. and movies and concerts and festivals on school nights. In, like, Stamford, which is far. <laughs> like, and happening over the course of, like, two weeks. I'm like, what kind of fucking parents right. are – they're not is the answer. Right. It, it needed to be dramatic and hyped up and over the top and – it was, clearly. But <laughs> I honestly, I kind of forgot for a minute there that I wasn't watching just, like, a genu- genuine, like, adult drama mm-hmm. about, like... Right. Like, oh, Logan, are we going to the away game tonight? Oh, yeah, sure. Like, okay. Because how are you going to get there? Whose parents are driving you? Who's driving you home? Do you have tickets? Are you going alone? Like, so many logistics that are just completely glossed over. That you can't gloss over as a 13-year-old. And it, like, doesn't get any better at the end when Logan finally pulls his head out of his ass and is like, nope, I need to do the work. First of all, what – they're in eighth grade. What level of project requires that much? Like, this is not – no, no. And and then secondly – they're like, we worked on it till midnight. And Logan was at the came at to, over to the house at like seven and stayed till midnight. On what planet? Right. On, like, what books are you reading? Because it's not these. Like, that whole thing, it's so funny. It did not take me – it took me out of it. Like, I was definitely mm-hmm. noticing it, especially as, as we went through. But, like, somehow it made me love it more and not less. Like, it just <laughs> felt like such a perfect – I think – the thing that I loved so much about it is it, it this book to me had everything that I love about this series. Like them acting like little 35-year-olds. Yeah. Like that we we talk about that all the time. Like this is a perfect example of that as a plot. Like even Marianne's like acknowledgement that of the dichotomy of when she's like, I, I've missed him so much. And then the minute he comes back around, she's like, how can I have missed him so much? And now I'm angry that he's like coming back. <laughs> right. And I'm like – because that's how that goes. Like, yeah, you missed him until he's like 
crawling back under shitty terms and then you're like no fuck right. you i don't want get out not, of here not like that like get out of here with that weak <laughs> like yeah but like again not a 13 year old position right that is a that is a grown-ass an actual position. adult like, well the thing we is, know adults who don't do that very well <laughs> fair, fair in their personal lives the thing that just popped into my head as you were talking that i wanted to circle back on so this project that every eighth grader has to do in a group of four all they are told is here group of four is your author it's you know whoever it's this Ma- megan reinhardt who's not real it's madeline lingle it's whoever it's not Stephen king or danielle Steele, like <laughs> claudia was hoping which rude rude to shame her they like she was clearly upset by that Agreed. but well especially because like we know that marianne and dawn read K- Stephen king so it's not like she's just like oh i'm this weirdo who reads Stephen king like they just got very condescending on our girl claude a couple of different times in this book in ways that i was not particularly pleased with but you mentioned the author thing just side note before you get back to it i did look it up just for the record Every author that they mentioned was real except, except for the ones that came to the school. Right. Yes. That, yeah. That is true. But the thing about the project is when I was in eighth grade, I was not given like, here's a topic, do a project on it. Especially when it's about the works of a living author, apparently that they were reaching out to all of them to get them to come to the school. And three actually do. But like to do literary analysis right. for. They use the term literary analysis. Right. Like what – what is the plan here? And also, Madeline Lingle is also an adult author. So, like, how are you differentiating between what they're supposed to talk about? And, like, it's supposed to be about their personal life, but there's no real guidance on what they do. I mean, ultimately, I think Marianne and, and Pete make the right choice about how they're going to structure theirs. They each pick uh, – they pick four books from the various categories. So there's a short story. There's a mystery. There's a comedy. There's one other one. I don't know, scary or something. Like a drama. Yeah. A but so like they like they each read one of these books and the literary analysis part that you mentioned is like they decide that they're going to see if there's anything in each of those books that relates to Megan Reinhardt's life story. But which is like the best way to go about doing that project. But like, why isn't that just the project? <laughs> And also, like, at a 13-year-old level, for them to come up with that level of analysis, right. you're right, without having that been assigned as the project. Like, if the the project just is just assigned, they say it repeatedly, author research project. Right. And they're like, they say, are we supposed to research the book? Are we supposed to reach the author? Is this a biography? Is this, like, right. uh, are we supposed to do a book report on all the books? There are no parameters. And, and this – and again, this feels like a, a – at very least high school mm-hmm. level seriously in i think my junior year like an ap level class had to do a semester long mm-hmm. like deep dive research project into like a, a a figure i think it was i think it was just a figure from american history i don't think it had to be an author but e- either way like that's what this sounds like that was a huge undertaking the level of research they did they're talking about all the periodicals that they found mm-hmm. and the and the books that they found and then reading multiple books and like what is the time frame i mean getting into timeline is always right. really dicey with these i think but it's like, like a month which like that's a very short turnaround for a project yeah. of this scope and magnitude like it like you're saying it should be like a semester long and honestly the thing that it reminded me of was the like semester long year long projects that the kids in are you there goddess me margaret have to do however in that it's very clear that each of them comes up with some ideas by talking to their teacher and their teacher is ultimately the one that says, here's what I think you should do. You know, like Margaret talks about some, you know, how she doesn't, she hates religion. And so he says, maybe what you should do is like, 
try out some religions or do some research on religion and see if, see what the what it's all about. And like, there's guidance. There's throughout. guidance. It and isn't here, just like the, the kids are just like, hey, what do you want to do? Go for it. No, and they literally only work on it one time at school. It's all an out of school project. And the teachers are just there to like answer basic questions because Marianne and Pete don't come up with their plan at that meeting. It's later. It's after they've even had meetings outside of school. The teachers mainly just seem excited about getting the authors there. Like it just seems like an excuse to like, and, and I get that. Like there is some truth to that. My mom is, uh, I may have mentioned before, she was the head of student technology for a small college in Cincinnati. And because it was a small college, she was responsible for like a freshman seminar class. Like a, everybody had like a freshman welcome type thing. And they picked a book. And she one year she got to be responsible for like choosing the book. She was like, I just picked the book I, that I liked the best and I wanted to yep. meet the author. <laughs> hey, man. But I can't complain too much because the book she picked was The Book Thief and it's my all-time favorite. So, you know, it worked out in my benefit because I got to be there. So Definitely. Anyway. So I think we said we were about to – we would jump right back into the Cokie Mason redemption arc, and then we, like, completely skipped over that. So, like, let me – tell me what you were thinking because I I have thoughts as well. Okay, great. Because here was what – I don't think it happened. I would thought we were primed for Mm -hmm. it is where I kind of was because the first time we go to Cokie's house – it's it talks about how Koki doesn't look like she fits in. Like it's very comfortable. It looks lived in. And I was like, oh, we're gonna get about how this is a Koki facade, like about how mm-hmm. this is insecure and she is like putting on an act in order to look a certain way to, you know, get these followers. And then with the Logan stuff, I thought we were going to like get the, you know, she's trying too hard and she's trying to be something she's not and like learn that's how you're gonna learn to get somebody to actually like you Mm -hmm. is when you're not trying to impress them and you're just being yourself and whether it's a relationship a a friendship or a romantic relationship blah 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 we got none of that but that's what i thought it was kind of going and and even when they were like i enjoyed because they didn't go there that we did just get to see her fall flat on her face (laughs) right but i i thought it was actually going to be like setting her up for them to like her to fail and them to be, like, have compassion. Because mm-hmm. at first I was like, oh, this is really mean of them. Like, oh, we're going to have a moment where they, like, right. jump in to save her. And, like, they realize that, you know, she's doing this for whatever, you know, my parents don't love me. Right. I, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, a latchkey kid and my family is totally different than me. Yeah, I definitely – it felt like that's where it was going. And maybe that's just a product of you and I watching a lot of movie and TV and reading books like this. I think this. that's the 90s. Yeah, I, I think that that's – it's just a, a storyline that we've seen so many times and it felt so comfortable and consistent with all of those other stories where that actually is what they're telling. And I think that's why both of you and I were sort of like, oh, clearly that's where this is going. And then, as you said, nope. We just went right to, sorry, Koki, why don't you just read the back of the book? And apparently Logan had the back of the book memorized because he was, like, saying it along with her. What an ass. That Yeah. that So that was this maybe controversial take, but I think Marianne is bad for Logan. Because, like, <laughs> Logan – because, like, I just mean I that, like – I don't mean I don't mean like anything that she does. Yeah. But I mean like he brings, you know how she, just like she brings out the worst in him. Because like honestly, they break up. He grow he's he's a total we, we literally I think we called him an incel at one point, <laughs> like early on. Um so like clearly not a great character. Here we're like, 
we stand a man who grows and changes. He learns. <laughs> he implements his lessons. Except. And then the minute he's back with Marianne, he's like, fuck you, Koki. I'm, <laughs> you I'm dumb like, bitch. I'm back with my dumb bitch. I'm back with my girlfriend. You need to suck it. Like, okay, it wasn't that extreme. No. But he does, like, he does fully, like. He's, like, laughing. He does at one point kind of acknowledge that, like, he hurt Koki and he doesn't want to hurt people. But he, his actions don't seem to indicate right. that he's terribly broken up about it. No. So, like, I just mean it was maybe all about getting Marianne back, and now maybe I'm walking back my, my <laughs> Oh, no. My Logan I've talked to you into hating it. No. <laughs> no. Not the book, just no. the Logan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes. We, we love the growth that he showed, but also, yeah, it was, it was not a good look at the, uh, the assembly. It, he was – he was not great. And honestly, Marianne and Pete Black were also not great at the assembly. Like, I mean, we know that Marianne and Pete were setting Koki up to fail. They That was their plan the whole time. And they didn't really clue Logan into that. But he had to have known. And so, I mean, they're all kind of dicks, let's be honest. Yeah, it, it is a little – I mean, it, it's very much that – the way that all of this is. That, like, heightened version right. of, like, what you wish you could do, like, in the moment. Like – when you're in the group for real in the eighth grade, maybe you just tell the teacher, hey, I'm not getting any help with my project right. if you're brave enough. Like that would be like the quote realistic version of this plot. And this is the model behavior. <laughs> like the way that we always say it's like a step or two above, <laughs> but in like in kind of the other direction. Right. Like this like, is terrible. That, like, do not do this. But like but like in the fantasy, like right. what you wish, like you it could be like right. and feel like to see it's them, cathartic like, to see someone else be able to pull that off when you know in your personal like actual life you can't because that's terrible. Exactly. <laughs> yes. I, yeah. It, it, and I don't know. I was gonna say like Don gaslighting the hell out of Marianne, <laughs> but that still blows this out of the water. Yes. Like I, not even a comparison. This 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 feels like a warm hug compared to that. Yes, still, agreed. So. Yeah, I think though, oh, as we're like talking all around this, and even about the Koki Mason part, the thing that I liked so much about the Marianne of it is that even her issues with Koki weren't so much about. Logan. Mm-hmm. Like at one point she and and I don't know that this is entirely fair to Koki, but she was like, would Koki have even tried to change to Logan's group if I hadn't been in his group? Like I was like, ooh, okay, Marianne. That's a little bit like narcissistic. This right. is all about me. This has like, nothing to do with you, Marianne. She likes Logan. <laughs> like she just likes Logan. So like that's not entirely fair. But I do from a like Marianne perspective and from like a developmental perspective, I like that the Koki, her issues with Koki are not also not just strictly about Logan. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not all about, oh, I miss Logan and Koki's the block from right. me getting Logan back. Like actually, wow, I just sort of like found it. It's it's the fact that Marianne has the agency in all of this. Mm-hmm. My fear was that it was going to be Marianne Mrs. Logan sounds to me like Marianne's trying to get Logan back. Right. When that is not at all what it is. It's Marianne deciding, is this what I want? Mm -hmm. Why is this what I want? Is he changed in the way that I want? What – how do I feel about how – like, I do like the fact that she reckons with how does it make me feel that he was dating Koki? Because, like, that's a legitimate, even adult thing. Like, looking Mm -hmm. at relationships, like, looking at, you know – 
do I really want to date someone who would be willing to date someone like that? Right. Which is basically one of the entire plot lines on the new season of The Ultimatum, (laughs) the queer edition, which if you have not watched, do yourself a favor. It is elite level reality television. But like, there's one girl who clearly is the villain and she she sucks but she's doing herself no favors but like the the girl who's with her everyone is now kind of side-eyeing her like mm. Mm, like that right. that's who you're here there's, with there's and clearly like, an issue here if if you choose to be with a person like that and she's the one who gave the ultimatum so like you brought this woman here mm. saying i'm begging you to marry me and you're like it, it. It was. It has very um arrested development, like her <laughs> energy, it, it, and that's a the comedic version. But like, of course, they there's nothing, nothing comedic to them oh on this boy. show. There is not a. That's that's probably not fair. But I mean, it's it's queer women. We take everything very seriously, and it's fair. very fun. Anyway, <laughs> I could I get, but I kept thinking of that over and over again with this because it, it felt. In very different ways, obviously, but like that, it had a very similar kind of like, we're taking this very, this romantic relationship deadly serious in a medium that doesn't quite warrant that. Right. Like the, a Netflix dating show that's going to be gone from, you know, if we wait too long to release this episode, people will be like, what is she talking about? Mm-hmm. And like, and by too long, I mean two weeks. And on the other hand, there's like, a book aimed at literal 10-year-olds. You know, but at the same time, that's why I liked it. Mm-hmm. Because it was given that seriousness of of thought and of of it, it was taken seriously. Her her dilemma about missing Logan was taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Or it, she was taken seriously completely. Her 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 worry about the show was taken seriously. I think that that not the show, the presentation. Yeah. Like I I feel like we taught we've talked about that before with Marianne that Sometimes our problem with the books is that other people seem to downplay her or, like, look down on her for her emotional mm-hmm. reactions. And this book, that never happens. Yeah. Everything that she's – like, there's, like, you know, you don't have to worry so much. But no one doesn't take her seriously, including Logan. And I think that that's why I liked him. Yeah. I think – I kind of wandered all over the place there, but – I feel like on that last piece, though, I think that this book, we don't get a lot of Marianne telling other people about her feelings. And I think that – That's fair. Um, I did appreciate that there wasn't a lot of downplay. And I do I do appreciate that, like, the conversation she had with Don that, that we talked about earlier, like, Don is not like, you're an idiot. Why are you doing this? It was more like, hey, just want to make sure that you're doing this for the right reason and that you're going to this with open eyes. And like that I really appreciated. But I think in other books where we have those issues with Marianne's feelings not being taken into account, it's because she's much more vocal about them. And I don't I don't necessarily want to say that's the only reason why it didn't happen here, but I feel like there weren't as many opportunities for us to be disappointed about that aspect. But I think that that's ultimately part of the reason why I have now come around to <laughs> have enjoyed this book a lot because talking through it with you, thinking about it more, I do appreciate the way that things were taken seriously. I think that that is a great thing about these books. And, you know, we've said it about this book. We'll say it about more. We've said it about a lot in the past. Like, these girls that feel like real characters, and especially when Anne is the author writing these books, she cares about them. She loves them. She knows them inside and out. And she does a really great job of showing all of those feelings and showing them as real people and giving them 
you know, the the grace to do stupid things, but learn from their mistakes, hurt other people, learn from those mistakes, be hurt and grow. And I, I just I love when we get these books where we get to see that growth from the girls, from Logan, even, you know, maybe a little bit from Koki. I don't think that we're really going to see any growth from her going forward, but I'd like to think that she learned something. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I agree. I think that that's more just a function of, you know, the sitcom nature of these right. books that, like, you have to reset the antagonists uh, so that, you know, she can be there to antagonize right. we have, again. We have to have the Koki Mason and the Alan Gray, and it just sort of is what it is. And that's part of the reason why we know and love these books. Exactly. And I think the thing that took it to, like, the next level for me, though, was because it did take it seriously – it also wasn't like overly serious mm-hmm. as a book. It was freaking funny. Like I'm sure we'll get into it when as we, you know, move away from some of the 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 big ideas, but I there was so much funny stuff in there and I think that that was what as sort of like a final tie all together for me was that what Anne does so well and I think that that's why I immediately knew it was her is she manages to capture that duality that is so inherent of being human, but especially being a teenager of that, like, and I think that this is where it ties in. We haven't really talked about it all, but it ties in really well with the, like, scariness, scary monster plot of the the B-plot is these kids are, like, so fascinated by the scary, they, like, can't look away, but they're terrified. It's like this push-pull. And that's the same with Marianne. It's like she wants them, but she doesn't. And that and that's so much of being a teenager mm-hmm. is this like big emotion. And the fact that that's treated as not wrong mm-hmm. or imp- that, that, that that's given weight and that's being treated as serious and that not silly. Yeah. I think that that's what I'm looking for. And even though it's funny, because it's very funny. It's not treated as silly that they have these big conflicting mm-hmm. emotions because that's the, oh, that God, if there's one <laughs> thing I remember about being that age, yeah, it's that. and 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 I love that so much. So anyway, that was my last big like, uh, I just love this book. Yeah, it was great. But jumping off of your silly comment, let's talk about fashion because there's a doozy on Marianne that I would say is even worse than silly. <laughs> There were a couple. I, I mean, silly would be um, thinking cowboy boats were cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, some people do. I Marianne apparently thinks that other people wearing them is cool. Question mark. It was 1991. <laughs> Wasn't that a very um, achy breaky heart era? Right. Maybe she's Fair. leaning into okay. that. But the the thing that the outfit that is described. And it's barely described, but even in universe, and I wish I had pulled the entire quote, but basically Marianne, when she's going on this date with Logan to dinner, she pulls out an oversized blue top and a pair of red tights. And that's the outfit. And she even says they're like sheer tights. Yeah. And and my favorite part about that, this is actually, it's a perfect transition because this is one of my funny, is her retort was, it covers more than a bathing suit, to which Richard was like, that tracks, right. go ahead. And I'm like, that, no. Mm. Even if you're not Richard, like, no, no, unacceptable. Your logic in no way resembles our Earth logic. Yeah. Anyway, but also we have to talk about a, a chic outfit. It's described as chic on Stacy because, oh, oh, Marianne, your your opinions on fashion sometimes they're okay, but here we go. 
I've never met anyone quite like Stacy. She always knows what's the newest in fashion, and she puts together these chic outfits like paisley print leggings, a huge, long shirt, short black lace-up boots, and a ton of silver jewelry. She might top off the look with a black fedora. Oh, also, Stacy's also allowed to wear makeup. Plus, she'll do wild things like paint a tiny heart on each of her fingernails. None, none of that outfit. And also, tiny heart on each fingernail. Like, even in the 90s, that was not wild. Today, no, it's not, not even wild. Not. Like, it's not wild at all. It's like nothing. No, that's not wild, but sheer tights and an oversized <laughs> blue top. It's fine. It's great. Richard Spear is on board with sheer tights and an oversized top as a literal outfit. I and I I was I have to say just as like a general comment on fashion, I usually really appreciate the Marianne books because there's a lot of fashion. That's basically it. We get sort yeah. of a description that like Claudia wears clothes like Stacy, but she adds more funky jewelry. And like we hear about you know, California casual on Dawn and Christie's typical uniform. But uniform. like we get basically no fashioning. Usually in the Marianne books, we get a lot because she's so sort of jealous of the style of the rest of the girls and aspirational in her own dressing. And this is what we got in this one. And I think this is a really missed opportunity to like lean into some Koki fashion. Like I want right. to know what Koki Mason is wearing. Agreed. Like, Especially when she's dating Logan, she was probably pulling out all the stops to try to make that like she's like, this mm -hmm. is my shot, you know. So, you know, what's funny is I was kind of thinking about our fanfic theory as we go through. This is sort of a random thought. Sorry. But I was like, I would honestly kind of love to read this book from the Koki Mason perspective. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like a Confessions of the Ugly Stepsister yeah. kind of, you know, um, it, since we clearly didn't get a redemption arc in this, like see it from her perspective or i would almost kind of like to see a logan yeah. you know like read his perspective on this because like we called out at one point marianne does very rightly he's like i really miss you and she's like you were fine with koki two minutes ago so did you miss me or did you miss having a girlfriend mm -hmm. and what i liked about him is he was like no i what I realized is that I missed you. Right. He's like, I thought I missed having a girlfriend, thought I missed having someone to do things with. Koki really liked me. So, like, I would love to see. Right. More of his, like, actual, like, inner thoughts and narration and reasoning and explanations. And I just think for, like, a young boy, mm -hmm. that would be a really cool, like, perspective to read. Because, because a lot of this book was very anti-toxic masculinity, like, in a very – cool, non-performative, non-preachy like way. It was just, here are non-patriarchal behaviors. Like, mm -hmm. I'm showing up. I'm listening. <laughs> wow, isn't it sad? The bar is so yeah, fucking low. it's on the ground. It's on the fucking ground. Anyway. So we'll, we'll change the topic, although only slightly. <laughs> I love this quote from Christy when they're but when they're discussing who the, the potential authors could be for all of these projects, she says – they're at lunch right before they're about to find out. She says, I know, I know, replied Christy. Just listen. I was thinking of Alan Gray studying Judy Bloom. Can you imagine him reading Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, especially with a girl in his group? I mean, there's bra stuff in that book. I mean, Christy, come on. Let's, let's – uh, you know, let, let's not judge Alan before he has a chance to do this, but also – I don't recall reading this book as a child, but, like, I know I would have had the exact same feeling. Or if I had a project like this when I was in middle school, I would have been like, can you believe 
this kid is going to have to talk about bra stuff and periods with girls in his class. Yikes. <laughs> I am so glad that you brought that one up. I, I mean, I loved all the Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret shoutouts. Mm-hmm. That one was, ugh. Yeah. I mean, we are millennial women, so that's, you know, foundational, seminal, whatever, 100%. insert word here. But that is a perfect example of like that kind of wry humor. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of sarcasm and there's a lot of like, I shot him the look like yeah. with a capital L. I was like, this is this is so wonderful. However, there was one that is baffling and I'm going to need, I need a second opinion on this. So at one point, they're at a babysitter's club meeting and they're telling some jokes and it starts off with a pretty decent pun. Somebody asked Don, Jesse asks Don what a henway is. And Don says, I don't know what's a henway. And Jesse says, about three pounds. Get it? What's a henway? You know, not not funny mm-hmm. per se, but easily see, identify 12-year-old pun joke on board. Yes. Here's what happens next. What's the healthiest thing to feed your brothers? She asked. What? Replied Mal suspiciously. Purina boy chow. That's not funny. Uh, is there a punchline? It, Did the, I miss the punchline? Is it? that dog food, but for boys? Question mark. Like, there's no pun. There's no. no. Look, we. I mean, we've seen Jesse tell jokes before, and I seem to recall they were hit or miss. So I feel like it, at least they're consistent in the the good jokes, bad jokes, or slightly good. Worst jokes. And <laughs> it was more bewildering. I was like, is this anti-comedy? It, it feels, you know what I right. mean? It, it, it's one of it the, feels like nothing, which maybe it feels maybe like it's I'm missing something. Right. I, I don't think we're missing anything. I think it's just maybe Jesse's not always the funniest. I'm going to choose to believe that there was a commercial that was happening in 1991 that was that that like made this make sense because everything else was so funny. Like. Like the moment where Pete is like taking control of the meeting and Marianne goes, he sounded like Christy at a BSC meeting. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell him that. I didn't think he'd appreciate it. No. <laughs> I was like, I don't think he would. Either. No, he definitely wouldn't have wanted to hear that he was just like Christy Thomas. <laughs> Especially at a babysitter's club meeting. Like if he didn't want to hear about bra stuff, he definitely didn't want to hear that comparison. <laughs> right. Definitely anyway. not. My only other two are just like quick observations. The first because of the timeline craziness, Shannon the dog is still a puppy. Yep. And also, the number of times that Marianne refers to Dawn as her stepsister, I'm pretty sure it's literally every time she mentions Dawn. My stepsister Dawn. My stepsister Dawn. My stepsister Dawn. I noted that, too. We were leaning into that hard. Actually, what I noted was that's how she was introduced. She said something about my dad and my stepmother and my stepsister. And I was like – and then was like mm-hmm. Dawn and and Mrs. Schaefer. And I was like, that's a really interesting word. Yeah. She also like, clarifies who Sharon is multiple times because she calls her Mrs. Schaefer. She calls her Sharon. And then she, like, just says Sharon later. And she's like, that's my stepmom. And it's like – yeah, girl, we know. Got it. We got it. We <laughs> You have made it abundantly four chapters. We got it. That's why I thought I was going to really hate this one at first. I like cuz I really the first chapter, first two chapters. Yeah. I was like, "Oh boy," because I started a tally for how many times Marianne was talking about how really close yes. and how like they won and whatever like bullshit language she was using around Logan and I got up to 6 and I stopped. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was like, oh boy, yeah. this is going to be rough. It was a lot. It, it quickly transitioned away from that yes. though, which was good. <laughs> it definitely helped. Yeah. But those were, I, I just, I think altogether, the fact that it, it took things seriously without being overly mm-hmm. serious. It was a, it was a, I can see as a 10 to 12 year old reading this and being like, okay, I got some valuable insight into how to carry myself in a relationship. Ha ha. I got to see the mean girl, you know, fall flat on her face without me having to suffer any, mm-hmm. you know, negative consequence. She even threw some like babysitting advice in, you know. Babies don't really need toys. They're fine with a wooden spoon. And then there was another one at one point, something about, you know, like it, it was just one of those offhand comments mm-hmm. that are like, things are best if you do it this way. And I, I just love those yeah. learning moments. But I, I thought all of those things together, the humor, the pathos, those random asides all made it a quintessential babysitter's mm-hmm. club book to me. Like for me, I think if – Maybe this wouldn't be my favorite, but if you ask, you had to ask me to like give someone what's one of the books that's most representative, mm-hmm. like of all the things the series does. Not so much of the other girls; they're they're clearly not really in here at all. But I, I, honestly, that kind of makes me like it more mm-hmm. because it really is focused. But anyway, I think this is, would be one that I'd give to someone. I know I've said that a, a time or two before, but this would be on my short list of like. This is representative yeah. of what the series is and does well and why I love it. Yeah. It's a, a solid entry in the the Babysitter's Club series and gives you a good color on what the best of them can be. Indeed. Yes. So moving on to the last piece of our general discussion, we have our next book coming up, which is our first mystery, Stacy and the Missing Ring. We are still figuring out what our next discussion is going to look like. For now, we are going to make some predictions. So Lauren, what what do you remember? What's your sort of normal prediction? What's your crazy prediction? What are your thoughts? You know, it's funny is if you would have asked me like two or three weeks ago, do you remember the mysteries? I'd be like, oh yeah, 100%. And then I looked at the the title for this one and I went, huh, I got nothing. Um, and I even looked at the the cover, which I don't usually do and, and still nothing. So I guess my realistic prediction would be, okay, it's a missing ring. So Stacy loses some, we'll call some kind of heirloom ring that she'll introduce at the beginning. And we'll go full Nancy Drew in that they think it's supernatural throughout the book, but at the end it's, you know, Scooby-Doo, pull off the, pull off the hood and those pesky neighbors or Cokie Mason or something. I'll call, yeah. It feels weird to do a back-to-back Cokie, but We'll lean into that. What about you? What What's your realistic, or do you remember? I, so I, my recollection is that the, I didn't read a ton of mysteries because I was starting to age out. I think by the time they started coming out, obviously. Um, I remember reading Beware Dawn, which is number two, but I don't remember reading this one. But as I was thinking about it to be able to talk about this, I, I don't know if what I'm remembering is this book it might have even been a Babysitter's Club book we've already talked about, and I just have like brought it forward in my mind, or it's some other book series entirely, or it's a future mystery. My my prediction, my realistic prediction is that Stacy is babysitting and a ring goes missing. And she's like, oh shit, I'm gonna get in trouble. So it's a babysitting charges parents ring. And then there are other things that go missing over the course of the book, and it ultimately ends up being a cat. That is stealing them and hiding them. 
I I know I read a book about this happening, and I don't know if it was this book or a Babysitter's Club book or something else. But that's my that's my prediction about what actually happens in this book. That is one hundred percent ringing a bell. I cannot, for the life of me, say whether it's this book or just another random, you know, shared nineties right. trauma bonding memory. <laughs> Because there's likely some traumatic aspect to it if it's like any of our other 90s series right. full of orphans and <laughs> fires. and <laughs> But no, that that feels right to me. Um, and that that makes more sense. Yeah, I like that. I don't remember the Dawn one, but I, I want to say it has something to do with the Confederacy and the tunnels. But we'll, we're getting ahead of ourselves. All right. So Outlandish. It just is straight up is a ghost. <laughs> Stacy is being haunted. Nope. It's Casper. Uh Casper is in Stacy's house because they had to move into the back into this old one. And he's been falling in love with her slowly while they've been there for, you know, the last two weeks, slash two years, slash two decades, whatever timeline bubble we're in. And he decides time to make himself known. But because he has limited communication options because he's a ghost, he has to try to move her things to communicate and she takes it the wrong way. And it's a wacky romantic comedy. Okay. I like it. My wild and crazy prediction is time travel. So Ooh. the the ring, Stacey finds a ring and it's beautiful and she loves it and she starts wearing it. And then, you know, she she leaves it on her bedside table. She gets up early or she's running late the next morning, so she leaves. And then she comes home from school and the ring is gone. And then the ring reappears and then the ring disappears. And it just keeps coming and going and coming and going and she has no idea what's going on. And it turns out that a hundred years ago when, you know, old man Hickory used to live in Stacy's house, he, the daughter whose trunk they found, she had this beautiful ring and she is traveling through time it. and they're both sharing the ring. The end. <laughs> okay. It's like the like the lake house. I love this. Okay. Now I want both of our like, outlandish versions. That would be amazing. Uh, on top of everything yes. else. We That'd need so to much see that. Okay. Well, I guess we've got predictions. We're excited to figure out what we're going to do for this next book. Hopefully, it'll be something exciting. It, we're, you know, we're in the time machine. So it it's hasn't a happened yet. to us, too. Oh. Wow. Okay. And on that note, Lauren, any final Sorry. club business? <laughs> <laughs> well, if feel the need to contact us to tell us just how bad of a pun that was, <laughs> I would not blame you. You can find us at Instagram and Twitter at Generation BSC, far more often on Insta than Twitter, although we did get some really lovely messages with our, as I mentioned, this is our first re-full recording back, and um, we've gotten some really lovely welcome back messages from our our welcome back episode. So thank you all for reaching out. If you have more to say, if you really want to lay into me for that pun, <laughs> uh, you can email us at generationbsc at gmail.com. And if you've got a second and want to take two minutes out of your day to head to iTunes or Spotify and rate review, that would be amazing. Now that we are back and getting underway, we'd love to um, spread the word of Generation BSC to all your friends and family. Yes. So please ask them to join Generation BSC with us. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them all the quality tangents they'll be able to Indeed. go on with us. <laughs> yeah. It'll be fine. They'll love us. You know that they will. Just tell them to listen. <laughs> and if you don't, don't do any of those things. Just shush, keep it to yourself, and move, exactly. move it through, through the day. Yes. Okay. Well, with that, I'm Kate Vlasic. And I'm Lauren Hunter. And this episode of Generation BSC is now adjourned. Say hello to